You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast episode. Let me check my notes. 163. Sponsored by Witchblade, the anime series from Funimation, Discount Comic Book Service, and Netflix. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 163, and that wasn't how I wanted to sound, but we're going to move with it anyway. I am Josh. I'm here with Ron. Howdy. And Connor. Hola. When I say that, I point. <laughs> You're not there, but it's as if you were my Ed McMahon sitting next to me when ha! I do that. Yes. You are correct, sir. That would make me feel so good. iFanboy.com is the website from whence this uh, emanates. We are uh, three people who got together because we like comic books, and every week uh, one of us has to read all the, We all have to read all our comics, but one of us has to pick the best one they, they, they read, and they call that the pick of the week, and you write a review about it on the site if you were one of us, and then we come here and we talk about that and the rest of the books from the week and, and, and some other shenanigans, I think, sometimes. Uh, here's a note. At the end of this show, we are going to be making a, uh, a special announcement, an important announcement, and we hope you stick around and, and listen for it uh, or you know, just skip all this and go to that. But that wouldn't really that be that much fun. Also, what wouldn't be fun is if you haven't read your books yet and, and, and you're listening to this, we could spoil them for you because we are going to talk about what happened in them, and we don't want to do that. So make sure you read your books before you listen to the main content of the show. Uh, or you could just use the uh, show notes and skip around. But again, you could be missing something good. I wouldn't want that. This week, Connor had the pick. Did you buy a bajillion books? Yes, sir. I wrote on iFanboy a piece this week about how I dropped three books, and I, I said my reasons why. And even after dropping three books this week, I still had 20. Jesus. That's Getting awesome when you have the pick of the week. I think I had like 19 this week. Yeah, it was a rough week. 17. Wow. Josh had 17. That's something that's to be noticed. That's a lot. Yeah, that's something to be noticed. I pretty much read books from... 3 p.m. until 11 p.m. Stopping to eat, stopping to eat for about a half an hour in the middle. <laughs> I was getting delirious by the end, but there was some good stuff in there. I had some good reads. It was it wasn't one of those weeks where you're reading a lot of crap. There was some mediocre stuff, but on the whole, I thought it was a good week. But the pick of the week this week was Nightwing 151, which read like a last issue, even though there are two more Nightwing issues before the book is canceled for the whole Batman reshuffle. So in the midst of reading this, I, uh, you know, about halfway through, I realized, wow, this is a wrap-up. Peter Tomasi is wrapping this series up. And it was a very fitting wrap-up. Nightwing is a character who's been around since the 1940s, early 1940s. And he's a, his book's been around for, what, 12 years, however many years, 15, 151 issues is. And that's a rarity these days. And for me, Nightwing has been floundering since Chuck Dixon left the book way 50 issues ago. Again, however many years that is. Really good back then, by the way. The trivia question, who was on art back then? And we loved it. Scott McDaniel. And Greg Land. Wow. And Greg Land. Well, Greg Land used to pencil back then. So basically, Peter Tomasi came on the book, oh, about a year ago. I could completely be wrong, but we'll say a year ago. And he's completely revitalized the character. We talked to him in San Diego this year about it. And he has a really strong feel for Dick Grayson and his importance and why he's special. And I think that's difficult for some people. And I think it's difficult for some people who are in charge, perhaps. <laughs> and 
uh, he he understood that Nightwing is an integral part of the entire DC universe. He is one of the original heroes. He's the first sidekick. He's been around for longer than most of the characters you read about. And for a long time, he's just sort of shunted to the side because people don't know what to do with him. But what, what Peter Tomasi did was he really integrated him into the, the whole fabric of the universe. You had appearances by the Justice Society. Superman showed up. He, he hung out with Flash. And he really reintegrated him back into the Batman family where he wasn't just showing up to be the reluctant son. He would hang out with Tim and he would hang out with Bruce and he'd go back to see Alfred because Alfred is also his surrogate father. So you'd have a good relationship with Alfred. And he really sort of hit it's, – it's a cliché. I said in my review it's a cliché, but he brought him back to basics and something that hadn't been done in a while. It's been so satisfying to read in the last, for the last year. And in this issue was, was a complete epilogue issue, almost like the end of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. It was four, four and a half short scenes that wrapped up almost the entire run, referencing all the way back to Tomasi's first arc. The last story arc before this one was about Two-Face, and it was the tangential R.E.P. crossover where Two-Face – goes to, to Nightwing and asks for his help to protect his old girlfriend from when he was Harvey Dent, who was a federal witness and is marked for death. And, of course, in the midst of it, Two-Face gets involved, but not in the way you'd think, and in fighting Nightwing, and he tried to drop acid on New York City, because that's where Nightwing's based out of now, and, and of course, Nightwing wins the day. And so this wrap up, wraps up where Dick goes to visit the, the witness. She's in witness protection. He goes to visit her. He brings her pizza from New York. She's in, like, Minnesota or something, and they have a nice little chat, and he doesn't sleep with her, which was nice. Ah, oh, because he's a gentleman. He he goes to visit with a pizza, and I thought, oh no, they're going to do it, but they didn't do it. <laughs> so, okay. but it would have been um, nice if they had for both of them, because I hear he's for them, anyway. <laughs> for them, it would have been nice. For her, it would have been fantastic. Is that homoerotic? I don't know. <laughs> and then in the middle, you have the sort of classic hero villain Hannibal Lecter scene, where where Dick goes to Arkham Asylum to see Two Face, and they sort of hash out all their issues. Basically, Chuck Dixon during his run retconned Two Face into being Dick's primary nemesis. He had him be the one guy who beat the crap out of him when he was Robin for the first time. The first time he ever really failed, he let mm-hmm. somebody die. He, he, he realized it wasn't all a game, it was because of Two-Face. Two-Face took a baseball bat to him. And so that's been hanging over his story arc for 10 years or so, and Tomasi used it a lot with, with the whole Two-Face thing. And here they have a long sort of Hannibal Lecter-ish talk. And they, and they also reference the fact that Nightwing was just in Arkham Asylum during R.I.P. It's all, he sort of ties everything together. And at the end, you know, he says, I'll see you soon. The next scene is a short scene with the girl that Dick's been nominally dating, where she got acid dropped on her in the last arc, and her arm got all burned up. When you say acid dropped, it's like that's like hydrochloric, yeah. like burning acid, not the yeah, like, not the like Two Faces face. Acid, okay, because like, you're saying he tried to drop acid on the city. She got she 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 dropped acid. I keep thinking it's like the hallucinogenic acid. Oh yeah, he gave that tablets to everybody. <laughs> It was all a, it was all big, the bridges, there was tolls. And instead of paying money, you got a tab. It was a big party. <laughs> he was tripping. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> she decides New York isn't for her after all, after having hydrochloric acid dropped on her arm. <laughs> and she's going to move back to San Jose where it's safer. Yeah. And she, you know, they have a very nice amical breakup, no hard feelings. And then in a reference to the very first arc, Dick Grayson meets up with Superman and John Stewart, Green Lantern, and they... There was a cemetery for superheroes in New York, and it was grave robbed in the first arc. They were trying to clone them. And so they take all the graves back to the Hall of Justice to put them uh, in a mausoleum, a safe mausoleum underneath the Hall of Justice, so no one's bodies will be desecrated or abused or experimented on. That's it's a, a really nice touch. Yeah, totally. Just, just, just the, 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 like, I was like, wow, that's a new story. That's one I wouldn't have, I, you know, never heard of. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah, it was really smart, and it was nice. This is a nice little touch to show, you know, Dick's in the same stature as Superman and Green Lantern. They they bring him in, and he he goes to the Hall of Justice with them. And then the final scene, which is just a fantastic part of the book, and really put it over the top for me, was through this whole arc. He's one of the things he's reestablished with Nightwing is his daredevilism and the fact that he's a thrill seeker. He's a circus kid who was a trapeze artist, so of course he's he's a thrill seeker at heart. And he's been doing these extreme skydiving, where he's trying to jump, go higher and higher, and he jumps out of planes higher and higher. And now he's in the troposphere and. In this issue, he's 25 miles up and, and basically in space, and he does a 15-minute free fall. Jesus. And on the ground is Tim and Alfred, and they're watching very nervously, but trying not to be nervous, but their small talking reveals they're nervous. How did he not and, die? Well, he blacks out in the middle, but then he wakes up in, in time to pull the chute. And it's, it's all about him you know, doing it for himself and not doing it for, for the glory and testing his limits. And it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of you know, saying he's his own man now. Yeah. And then, and then when he lands safely, they, there's a there's a th- three page completely silent sequence with Alfred and Tim and Dick making snacks and making milkshakes and being a family and doing the stuff that family does. And then they sit down to watch the Magnificent Seven with milkshakes and some snacks. And the camera pulls out to reveal an empty chair where, where Bruce would be. Aww. And it was just it was a very sort of emotional. Here's a family that's that suffered a loss. Whatever that loss is, we don't know. But he's clearly gone. Whatever whatever he is, he's gone dead or not dead or presumed dead or thought dead whatever the fact is he's still oh there's still a hole in the family and it's missing and you see they're all there and they're sitting on the chairs and they've got milkshakes and they're watching this movie but they all don't have none of them have happy faces on right. they're all sort of dour and it's it it's should it's an excellent film and i love milkshakes i mean two things that are awesome <laughs> who doesn't love them except for yule brenner and somebody somebody should just tell them to wait till the next issue of final crisis and they'll see him again <laughs> So this was just, it was a great wrap up. It was something that you don't get a lot, which is basically an entire issue of just character development and dealing with all the ramifications of an entire year or so worth of stories. And it was really strong. And dude, I gotta and, I gotta uh, say, I emailed you too. I emailed you after the review went up. I mean, your review made me want to read it. Like, and I, I don't know. I, it really, it really, it really hit me hard. It was a really yeah. good. No, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like for for like the the enjoyment of a character, it was really, you know, like that, like you said, like that end of the end of Return of the King, kind of wrapping things up. I think that's amazing. I think that's great. And it's kind of funny. So, what are like the next two issues going to be? <laughs> that's the weird thing. It's like this is really a final issue. It really wraps. It's going to be filled in by Pete Milligan. <laughs> it would make no sense. <laughs> well, Razak Ghoul's Razak Ghoul's in the next one apparently, according uh, to the next box. Uh, but I thought he was writing it. He is the writer. It's Pal Talia's on art, but this this one had art by Doug Monkey, and nice. he was good. And uh, another guy named Sean Mole, and it was good. Very when strong. I, when I think of Nightwing, I think of you, Connor. So this makes sense. There you go. Yeah. That was the by for, for me my favorite issue. There was a lot of really good good stuff, but one really big release that Ron wrote about on myfanboy.com on Monday was Phonogram the Singles Club number one. Ooh, I've been dancing ever since this came out. Totally my pick of the week this week and uh, as no surprise and I kind of, you know, snuck around not having the pick this week by writing the Don't Miss on, on Monday. <laughs> well, cause, and Kieran Gillen, the writer, and Jamie McKelvey, they, they hooked me up with a copy of the issue so I was able to read it and write an early review of it. And and it, it it's like I love the first phonogram and it was really all kind of magicy and it was really this Steve, is better Steve this is this is like so much better this is like oh so this is Empire Strikes Back this is fantastic the the big difference between the first phonogram series and this series is that well there's a couple big differences one is that this is in full color. Um, yep. So Jamie McKelvey full color, we, which we saw on Suburban Glamour, which he he it's got a, there's a couple of the colors are by Matthew Wilson, and it's really interesting to see how Jamie's art. Which by the way, this is I mean, and and Connor, tell me if you disagree or agree with me. And Josh, did you pick it up or just so I know who we're talking? Yeah, yeah, about? Okay, so we all right. This is Jamie's best work yet, I think. Yes, hands down, hands down. 
what's interesting, like Suburban Glamour, there was a lot of um, aggressive coloring, and this that can and by aggressive coloring, I mean like there'd be panels where the whole background is just a single color as opposed to the background and that sort of thing. This one continues that, but I think it's balanced better than it was in Suburban Glamour. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, it, I see what you mean. yeah. yeah. That's, that's it. Um, and what's great is just the little subtle effects of using color, like when the main girl Penny is dancing, how the background goes white with the little blue dots kind of thing, like and and her eyes, so she- her eyes go black, and 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 you tell she's dancing with the and magic is being coming into play, that sort of thing. The whole con- concept is that it all takes place. Each issue, they're almost like one and dones, but each issue takes place as a night at this club from a different person's point of view. And this first, this first one is from Penny, who's a phonomancer, who's a magic person, and how she loves to dance and yada yada. But what's really interesting is that uh, this is taking the sixteen-page format and then having two backups with a, a, a short story by Lauren McCubbin and one by Mark Ellerby, which is interesting because that's the Fell Casanova model, but with even more back matter, you know, as opposed to the $199 price tag. This one was priced at 350 which is kind of playing with the format, which I thought was interesting. I, can I say I really, really liked the Lauren McCubbin story? Yeah, yeah. You can say that. It was that. really good. Yeah, it was really it good. It was the personification of indie music being told off by a, yeah. for being anti-woman. yeah. yeah it was just really good and just i i mean if you like i mean if you the thing is that this is a comic about music and if you like music and uh, the first phonogram turned a lot of people off because it was about like uh mid 90s early 90s brit pop this one takes place in the story takes place in 2006 so there are bands that you list you you, a good chance you listen to now like death cab is mentioned in the backup story death cab for cutie and um the pipettes are one of the main you know is is the is the inspiration for the title this of this issue pull shapes and I don't know. It's just this is just like this is this is modern pop comics as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this is like you know, and it wasn't too magicy. Well, what I laughed is because the DJ the DJ at the club has a rule of that no magic, <laughs> which made me laugh because I really I liked him. <laughs> so what, how I assume all these you know kind of single stories over the seven issues are going to tie together in some way. I su- I'm guessing how they will is is I don't know yet. This is just literally is just a glimpse into these people's life, and I don't know. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. You know, as being the least musically inclined of ever, of the three of us, I probably hang on by the skin of my teeth a little bit more. Yeah. I don't perceive it as the, the detail as much as you guys would, but I enjoyed the little slice of life that it was. Yeah. You know? Well, what's interesting is that there there are music references that I bet you that that are so sewn in that they get by without with you don't know them. I'm guessing. Like, oh, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah, then you read the you read the appendix and you yeah. realize and you go back and see them. I didn't need them. I just you yeah. know it's just like. Yeah. It's a good, it's a great little indie story and a great well, little stuff. You know, it's, well, and there's, may- not, there's not too much magic, there's not too much music, but I well, think there's, I can see what's more special. It makes me laugh because it's music as context. Because I mean, like we we joke. I mean, like we 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 use you know Star Wars quotes in in conversation to express things. And right. We you know we oh. reference other things. It's the same kind of language. It's the same kind of use of language just with music. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah, just yeah, as so. someone who's obsessed with music instead of Star Wars. Is yeah. that the guy from the from the first phonogram? Briefly in the yeah, in the that's club? Cole in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought so. so. Josh, what did you think? I don't believe I was as affected as you. I, honestly, I didn't. I didn't almost know. I didn't know almost any of the references in the first story. Really, like almost any of them. <laughs> so and and. and I, <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I just felt it kind of. It kind of wasn't for me yeah. for whatever reason. Like I didn't connect with it. Like I was like, oh, she likes to dance. I get it. Yeah. And I can see how this would make some people happy. I could see how this would make you happy. It wasn't wasn't right. really my thing. I I admired. The craft of it, I do think that what what you say about like Jamie's art and the the way that all the things went together, it was really impressive. The the production of it was really nice and everything. And I liked the the little short story at the end more, although I thought it was a little reductive. 
Like it was just so like, look how sad and pale and balding and pathetic the emo guy is. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's it's a little, like I said, a little reductive. I will be interested to see what happens if they're all from somebody else's perspective. I think that I was just like, if I had known this girl in real life who likes to dance, yeah. I would get away from her as quickly as possible. <laughs> Oh. And I think that really that's sort of my thing. Like, I, like, the cute like, blonde likes cool. to dance, huh? Yeah. Run away, run away. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yes. I just don't, I don't, you know, not me, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But hey. All right, cool. But I loved it. I loved it. It was fantastic. I've always said that phonogram is not for everybody. I've always said that. No. Yeah. yeah and that's but, fine. But yeah. I don't, I don't like, my criticisms are not the criticisms of like, oh, this was crap. That's not at all what I mean to say. It's not even criticisms. It's. I didn't really connect with it, but that's, you know, you can't connect with everything. Okay, cool. So question is, can you connect with events, like big Um, superhero events? I wish I didn't have to quite as often. (laughs) I wish that I had a break, but nope, one week to the next. I also wish that I knew what happened to Alex Maleev. Oh, my God. This Okay, so Secret Invasion Dark Reign came out. It's a one-shot, and this is the book that – and I'm so glad you said that because I was afraid I was going to be the only one. Um, This is the book that signifies the moment Alex Maleev forgot how to draw. See, I okay, now, now I, I don't I don't want to go that far, but there no, were definitely yeah, things totally. in this that gave me pause. I like especially more than anything. Namor. I really don't get Namor. 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 Inconsistent. The, the inconsistency of the of the characters. At one point, Red Hood looks like he's supposed to when he first comes in, and at one point, he's sitting at the table and he's this gangster schlub that is just like kind of like you know like. And Namor is different in every panel. At one point, he looks like Bendis. Like it was just really bizarre. I, I don't. I just don't see. I just don't see Namor as a stubbly guy. Yeah, it was really freaking weird. And the only, the only, I felt the, the his Norman Osborn. I mean, say what you will, but you know, where's the hair? And then oh, I'm fine with that's that. a good thing. That's no, a good yeah. thing. I, I think you still Absolutely. need that. But I'm, but that's the difference between me and you guys. The only character that was drawn consistently throughout the whole thing was Emma. Doom. No, Doom. Well, he needs Doom. to draw a Doom book right yeah, now. Yeah, he did. He did a good Doom. Yeah, I mean, his it, Doom it, it looks awesome. a lot like the. It looks a lot like Ultimate Doom. Just for the record, not it doesn't matter. Yeah, it just, yeah. he looks awesome. I he don't care about that. I, I, I like, and that—that's my—that's my, that's my uh, base complaint. And the thing is that I mean, I didn't love it. Basically, is what I'm what I'm trying to say is I normally really love Alex Maleev's art, and Namor really threw me off. Besides that, I could I could I could give or take it. I actually did enjoy this because it was a very good example of the kind of stuff that I love that Bendis does. I mean, it's it's this a tense conversation. We, we talked about it last week. He, he can't. Mm-hmm. He, this is the kind of stuff. Five people in a room for Talking. however many yep. pages. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And this I was, was the that, only that other was book fun. that was going to be pick of the week if it hadn't been for Nightwing. It would have been this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was that. I mean, the writing was fantastic, and I think Namor's side. I, I got to believe Namor is some sort of intentional mistake because he's not on the cover. He looks like he normally draws Namor. Right. Yeah. That's that, that's the thing. Like the co- the co- uh, even the cover renditions are better. Like Loki is inconsistent throughout the entire thing. There's one point. When, oh yeah, um, there's one looks point, like a beat drag queen. Oh yes, oh my god, yes. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So uh, I don't know. It just, my problem was just it, f- it feels like either this was really really rushed, or you know he was trying this new style and for whatever reason, but just the, the Namor was the one that stuck out at me like big time. The yeah. page before the, the page before the Loki drag queen is the page with the weird Namor, you know, Bendisi Namor that is just weird. Overall, I'm not happy with. That's not even that. I wouldn't have made the choice to to make Norman Osborn this character because a little like, you know, we were talking about. They're trying uh, to make him Luthor, really. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, sort of, but at the same time, and I know that like you have to let go of some things going forward. But you know how we said Spider-Man wouldn't make a deal with the devil. Yep. Like, like how dumb is America? Because Norman Osborn was not some guy they sort of thought was a well, bad nobody, guy. No, nobody knows he's the Goblin. Yeah, he's not. It's, it's not public. It's not public. Not even the people. Not even no. the people in power. No, no. Why was he in jail then? He wasn't in jail. Wasn't he in jail? Oh, maybe I'm getting Ultimates. Yeah, getting Ultimates. I could be getting yeah, Ultimates. Ultimate. He was in jail on Ultimates. Yeah, that yeah, was Ultimate Ultimate. Spider-Man. Okay, um, sorry. sorry. But, but Still. Just, but real quickly, just to, to step away from the story quickly. He was just a businessman. He was just yeah, a businessman. Business. No one knew he was Goblin. And then normally I've, I've, kind of, I've kind of passed the blind eye to the whole event fatigue thing or whatever, but look at the back page, the Dark Rain checklist, right? Two things jump out at me. Number one was that uh, in January 2009, uh, I guess Dark Reign is part of the Uncanny X-Men annual number two. That's got to be a typo because I know for a fact there have been more than two, more than one Uncanny X-Men annuals. But what I thought was but really – But since the reboot, they might have renumbered it since the reboot. Then that's just ridiculous. But, they do um, it all the time with annuals. But what's with the lower right-hand corner? Please note, Amazing Spider-Man 584 will not be a Dark Reign tie-in but is the first part of Character Assassination, a five-part epic by superstars Mark Guggenheim and John Romita Jr. Like I just read that. I was just like, so you're going to tell me what's not part of the checklist on this too? Like it was just know. really, really weird. Really weird. I think the thing with Dark Reign is it's not like you have to buy everyone. It's, well, it's that's just everyone. That's what they say for everyone. There's no mini series. There's no Dark Reign number one. It's yeah. just it's just the new status quo. Yeah, but apparently uh, for three so months. So. Right. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about. I'm not going to buy anything other than the books I'd normally buy anyway. Yeah. No. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I don't know. It was just weird. Oh. I, I, the the writing was good. The story was good. I love this. I love this idea. I love the. I love the premise. It just the, the Malieve art just really, really took me out of it. Which is, I, which is sort I, of, I still I enjoyed it beyond Namor. I thought everybody else was really good. Yeah, and I, I was fine with that. But that that really I was like really yeah. that's weird looking. And I hope that you're right. I hope that there is a reason for it. A book I had no qualms with probably would have been my pick of the week. Where we're going with it was Echo Number Eight. Oh. This was like a tour de force on art. Yeah. I mean, like it was raining. And, you know what's and so like, fu- it's so funny? You say it's a tour de force on art, and this is where I'm like I'm like wow. Now the story's kicking in. Like we got some action. We got some you know like that you know, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the but the first thing I noticed was like in the first sequence at the beginning of it, this so is just much like in this, the panels. Yeah, yeah. There's this firefight that's sort of all energy powers. It takes place in the rain, and there's the one where they pull back and you after she's like shot her energy. Yep. And there's the, the the ground is all fudged up, and it's almost kind of sloppy. There's just all this pen everywhere. Yeah. And it's just a slightly different style, and it's gorgeous. And you flip the page. And all of a sudden, everything is tight yep. and clean, yeah. and it's the girl uh, checking out the room. And I just love that tonal shift that was done graphically. Yep. No words. And like you said, this is the story, you know, keeps kicking up a notch. There's this other mysterious guy, and you're like, oh, shit, it's, it's like a, it's another one. Like, that's a big deal. And the, and the relationships are forming, and I loved, I loved the, the, whatever the bounty hunter girl is, like her shift on the whole thing. You know where you thought she was just going to be an evil badass, but you know, like now you're getting the clue. Like she's she's smart. She sees what's going on. She doesn't want to get played. And you think that this chance she's going to turn around and try to help your heroes out later. And and I was really really impressed. This this was fantastic. Yeah, and then and then the 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 quiet character moment at the end between the two the two main characters who are growing closer. Like yeah, I mean, it just this this issue was the first one of this whole Echo run that had everything. As far yep. as I'm concerned, you know, it had it had the action and had it had the little science fiction going on with the with the whatever these powers are and that sort of thing. It had the, it even had the Garth Ennis open, yeah, <laughs> with human pieces, body parts, yeah, everywhere. totally a little gore, which is very unlike Terry. But yeah, no, I mean, Echo is great. If you're not reading Echo, the first trade is out. You can, you can buy it. You can pick right up. You can grab issue seven, probably still on the rack. Grab issue eight, and then you know, totally be into it. It's a, it's really really good. Seriously, how impressive is it that 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 book is good? 
Because you know, in the back of your mind, you were like, "God, I hope his next series is good." Yeah, I, yeah. Let's, I mean, really. He, well, right now, right now, he's edging. I mean, again, we 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 put him in together, lump them together. But like him and Jeff Smith and those type of creators. I mean, this is right now. Echo is better than Rassel. You know, I mean, it's coming out on time. It's coming out every six weeks. You know, well, Rassel's not late. He's just yeah. He's just he's setting just, a ridiculous uh, schedule. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, just want to let everyone know about Witchblade, the anime series, which is available now on DVD as well as download. You can download it digitally onto your computer. It's based on a comic series that we all know you've heard of, that you that you know and love from our friends over at Top Cow Productions. And if you're a fan of Top Cow, if you're on iFanboy.com, there was some Top Cow discussion this week. But this anime series is based on the original um, Witchblade character, but it's not the original Witchblade character. It's a Witchblade character set in the future. So it's a tale of a new bearer of the Witchblade and the conspiracy that, that surrounds her. It's a 24-episode series box set uh, with wraparound art by Mark Silvestri. It includes 100 minutes of extra features, including everything you want to know about Top Cow, with interviews and a tour of Top Cow. So if you're a Top Cow fan, you definitely want to pick this up. And you can get it on DVD as well as download through iTunes, the PS3, PlayStation Store, Xbox 360, or Amazon, wherever you download stuff, it's there. So go to Funimation.com forward slash Witchblade, where you can check out clips from the series and check out the art. And I got a hold of this uh, this whole set, this box set, and the art, it really is impressive. It's a very nice set. It's a th- nice, thick set with great artwork. So um, if you like Witchblade, Definitely check out Witchblade, the anime series, Funimation.com forward slash Witchblade. If you don't like Witchblade, it's actually not the same story, so yeah, exactly. you could also look at it that way. I mean, like it, anime, I've, yeah. I've watched a lot of it. It's 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 really interesting. Like, it, it's like this mix of, of Japanese and American stuff, and it's, it's really interesting. Cool. And it's creepy stuff. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Really creepy. <laughs> so this week, Green Arrow and Black Canary number 15 was the first non-Judd Winnick issue. So, uh, it, By the way, can I just say the Ladrone cover? Oh. That, was, that was awesome. That was, I was yeah, like, but... I grabbed it. I was like, oh, and it was like one of those where like, I, I thought it was Ladrone, but I didn't believe it. Yeah. You know, and then I had to look down to see it. I'm like, oh, it is him. So, the only yeah, bad was... thing about the cover was her hair doesn't look, look, look like it was drawn in. It looks like it was photoshopped over the, the head. Oh, I didn't notice that. No, no, he just said that. He drew that with a mouse hair brush, and really? he did it over the course of three. No. Oh, I just okay. know that his artwork takes forever. Yeah. Like, that's his thing. Like, he will spend he will spend a year on this piece. He's so good. Which would be based the year. So it was all right. I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean... Well, it was a very I'm much a, it was a, it was a catch up issue. Yeah, so totally. Was, yeah, if you yeah. if you if you don't know anything about Green Arrow and you want to read it, pick up this issue because this is a good jumping on point because it kind of sums up everything. So. I thought it it suffered a little from I think is this guy a new comic writer? He's I mean, relatively I, new. This, this is the second book I've seen from him. Yeah, I've heard yeah. his name. I've heard his name before. I mean, it was nice that it tied all the things together. It tied together like uh, year uh, uh, yeah, year one and in, into the into the new Ollie now and but I, I'm I'll be it wasn't a real issue like there wasn't really a story. So I'm. I'll be curious to see how it goes going forward. Um, see, the I was, right, is, I was, see the writer ongoing. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Uh, or at least for a while. Uh, I was intrigued by by artist Mike Norton's sort of description about what it was going to be like. Yeah, I really like the ending. Okay. That there really? was a consequence. That was a consequence to what she did. She yeah. she used I her scream and, and it and it hit through the wall and it hurt somebody. Yeah. I spent and some time looking at trying to figure it out. Oh, that's going to make a villain. It, isn't it? I just noticed because it's a dude with a violin and the strings are all popped and he's holding his ears. Right, but yeah. I figure I thought it was just that he was collateral damage. Like yeah, they, he's collateral damage. Yeah. He was he's a he's a cellist and, and, and his ears are bleeding. Yeah. So like she wrecked this dude's life, so maybe he's gonna be like the the new fiddler, the cellist. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you he will. I thought that was a really nice touch to show that there's you know, they're not playing in a vacuum here. Yeah. 
So if you heard last week, if you looked on our RSS feed, we talked about the movie Punisher Warzone and how much we hated it. And ironically enough, Punisher Warzone number one hit stands this week, which featured um, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. The, the, this is a weekly series. This is a weekly series from the team that brought you Preacher as well as the classic Welcome Back Frank Punisher storyline. And I had, I had mixed feelings about it. I love this team. I love them together. But the fact that it's it's picking up from the their last story kind of annoyed me. But other than that, why? I don't know because it's like because he so definitively killed the villain Manucci, and to see her roll out at the end of it. No, but they no, see. I just I re- literally just finished the omnibus. Oh really? So I okay. just I just read Welcome Back, Frank. Oh, okay. Like last week, and it's what he said in the in, the, in this issue. She was. In a house that burned, but we never saw her die. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. In the classic comic book way, it wasn't like we saw her body turn to ash. She yeah. was, help me, Frank. Ah! And then that was the end of the issue. We never saw her actually die. So, yeah. Well, other than that, other than that, cool. I love Dylan. I love Ennis. I love I, I, them together is the best. And it was just, it was, it was I, I don't know. I liked it. This was probably my third favorite issue. It was my third pick of the week. Um, I, most I mostly because I just read it. Yeah. I knew that that would probably be good, but I'll tell you, I was in the store and I picked it up and I thought, and I saw the title, and I'm just not in a Punisher mood at all. Huh. And and I saw, and it was like, and it was four bucks, and I was like, I I not, I don't want to do it. You opted out. <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, that's enough. Okay. Sometimes you gotta say no. Fair his, enough. His, those two guys on Punisher is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I, like I just I just love Dylan's annoyed Frank Castle. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like that, he he does it so well, and and just the combination with Ennis do, doing the weird stuff and the the person's head exploding that you don't expect and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just great. Not enough Dylan in my life either. Yeah, that's true. I say that Titans, every day. Titans number eight, which is the much the much maligned series Titans from Judd Winnick, and this is a featured art by Howard Porter, who was very good. I wanted to mention this briefly because this was by and far the best issue of the series. I think this series has been maligned mostly because the art was so ridiculously over-the-top cheesecake for the first four or five issues yep. that a lot of people jumped off of it. But this was really strong. It was basically the Titans alone in a building with Jericho, who was evil, trying to figure out who he had inhabited. You know, They, have, they don't know who he's in. He's in somebody's body, and they're trying to figure it out. So it was all basically a very small story. And they all had to reveal secrets to pass a, a test, they, had, they made a machine where they'd go into a booth and they had to tell a secret. And if it matched up with the secret they had previously told the computer, they were considered to be safe. And there were some really poignant st- secrets, like Cyborg's son isn't his own son. But there was also funny ones, like Raven is a, is a devout fan of Gossip Girl. And it was just, it was... Really? Yeah. It was just a very strong character-based issue from oh. Winnick. And he needs to do more of the stuff, and Howard Porter needs to stay on the book, because he is fantastic. I love Howard Porter. He says he's doing okay? Didn't he get hurt? He broke his hand. Yeah, so he's back. He draws with his feet now. Oh, interesting. Fascinating. <laughs> Later, he's going to be in Gangs of New York. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anyway. <laughs> Who is this under my knife? Whoops-a-daisy. <laughs> always makes me laugh. <laughs> I have to watch that again. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and, then have a, have, and have a very rare steak. <laughs> Detective Comics number 851. You know, I wanted to mention this specifically because it was written by Denny O'Neill. And when I was reading it, you could sense hints of it being uh, sort of not a comic book writer of this time. But I was actually looking at it in that way. And I was watching like how sort of elegant he does everything. Like he doesn't waste any time or any panels or anything. And there's there's just this this smoothness to these comic books that it isn't familiar to me anymore because they aren't done this way anymore. And I and I was really paying attention to it to see what it was that comics used to do that they don't do anymore. And if you if you look at sort of the way that this is laid out, 
you know, you have a new character that is introduced and set up within pages. I mean, like, like just the, the economy of space that he used as he went through this thing was amazing. And when I looked at it in that way, I was really impressed. And I, and I liked parts of it. I, I liked the art it, a lot. It was not decompressed at all. No, you know, not you know, at it's, all. it's really, it's really funny that you say that because we're not, we're not supposed to talk about it this week. It's not on, the, it's not on our list. But Amazing Spider-Man 580 was, I, I almost had the exact same thoughts of because that mm-hmm. was a one shot drawn by Lee Weeks who did that Captain Marvel who's been around for years and the art was fantastic. So good. But it was written by Roger Stern and uh, we our arch nemesis, our arch nemesis Roger Stern. But it was uh, Connor, did you, it was a great issue. It was it was very throwback. It was I very it. I throwback. I felt like I'd read an issue from 1985, but yeah, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way at all. Yeah. So it's really weird that those two titles, these two flagship titles, were very much in the same kind of description. Well, it was and, old and, home and, week. Yeah. And Steve did go through this one. And I want to say not not like not in a bad way at all. I really found this enjoyable. You know, partially because of that, there was two panels in it that were awful of a lipless Nightwing. But besides that, um, I didn't really like the art. I mean, it was alright in parts, but. I like well. There were some parts of it that I thought really worked, and then other parts that didn't like. As I got more actiony towards the end, I liked it less. But the the bits in the beginning I dug, and I liked the layouts and everything. It was just sort of it just felt like like a comic book from twenty years ago, and and like you said, not in a bad way, which is neat. And you know, in the same one, I actually just wanted to mention really quick: BPRD War on Frogs two. You know, it was drawn by John Severin. This is a guy who's been he's been drawing comics for seventy years, and the art just did not fail to impress. Well, John seventy Sever- years. John Severin did a BPRD issue. Yeah. Wow, I might have to pick it, that up. He did. This is number two. He did number one. Wow. He amazing. is so good. No, he, I'm sorry. He did Herb Trimp did number one. Oh, Herb Trimp did number one? Why aren't I buying this series? Oh, my God. I don't buy Hellboy. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think I need to buy this now. John Severn did a Western mini this earlier this year, which was really good. You marvel at his work, and especially when you consider how old he is. Yeah, yep. totally. Oh, my God. He is so good. Totally. It, it, and I just literally want to mention that, like, the issue itself wasn't fantastic, but but that art, the art really was amazing. And then you imagine, you know, how long the guy's been doing it, and you can see it. It was just like for me, this week was a great week to appreciate some of those guys. Totally. That's all. In a completely different direction, Young Liars number ten came out. Remember how we always talk about stray bullets? How you, it was hard to read because after you read it, you feel bad for humanity. Uh huh. Yeah, this was one of those issues. It was just uh, like I mean, it was it wasn't crazy. It wasn't whatever. It was just fucked up. It was just like it basically it was a single issue focusing on the character Cece who is in their kind of group and just how her just path of destruction through her life through sex and all this kind of thing and it's just like she has a she gets pregnant and she has a miscarriage and then later she throws up the baby's arm and she keeps it in a box in her in her bag and it's just like and it's like oh my god it was just like afterwards I had to, I had to shower after I read it it was awesome yep. it was great that's I don't that's why I don't read yeah Dave, Dave Lavum yeah no, I don't I literally like. I read a whole child molesting arc of straight bullets, and I've never been the same. Yeah, he like, he I, seems so nice. I know, so nice. He quiet. looks so normal. He yeah, looks like a normal, <laughs> quiet guy, just like every serial killer does. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, Young Liars, I love it. I, I don't know. It's it's it, this is great. This is the Dave Laugh of my life. Well, don't just take our word for it. You go to ifanboy.com and you can rate and review all the books that came out. You make a pull list. You can give them star ratings, and you can write little reviews. You can do it like L Miller thirty one who reviewed. Justice League of America number 27 and gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5. And 0% of the <laughs> fan base made it their pick of the week. And L. Miller 31 says, This issue shows more promise than the last few arcs. The Injustice League slash Sanctuary slash whatever the hell that Vixen trip was about arcs. But that's only because these Shadow Cabinet characters seem to have a good rapport interaction with one another. Which is much more than I can say for the JLA, who are all entirely one-dimensional. I get it. Batman's a jerk. Superman's a boy scout. Wonder Woman's a warrior. Black Lightning is an everyman. Green Arrow's twenty-something, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't a terrible comic by any stretch, but it's certainly not going to blow your mind. If you've got an extra three bucks to blow and want to see some pretty faces get super punched, and occasionally I do, then Just League of America's book for you. <laughs> I disagree with his 
assessment that the, that the Justice League's one-dimensional. I think the strongest part of this book is the characterization of the JLA. Yeah. I think the plot-wise, it's still a mess and it's still, uh, it's still disjointed. There's no flow to the book, but I think the small moments are what keeps me coming back. And I thought worth mentioning was finally they addressed the fact that even though Black Canary is the chairman, she's really not in charge. And that's something that Ron's been talking about. Yes. And finally, in this issue, she, she finds the secret room that they've been meeting in and says, what the fuck's going on? I'm the leader. Yep. Either I'm the leader or I'm not, you know. And it was—I thought that was a really good scene. This really um, strong scene. This uh, ju- the Justice League as an organization reminds me of a comp- uh, of a company with a bad CEO. You know what I mean? <laughs> where it's just like where it's just like you know the people down in the middle to lower, just like man, what the fuck are they doing? You know what I mean? Because it's like because it just doesn't it because do- some of the team dynamic and everything it's all over the place. It doesn't make sense. And whether or not that that ties into editorial or McDuffie, but I'm close to dropping it because this is not the, this is not what I want out of a Justice League of America book. So, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's not. There's no flow to it. You're know. close to dropping it. You're on issue 27. You <laughs> haven't liked it for years. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, you're like the wife who threatens to leave after you've been beating him up. It's just, okay. I will go, but he loves me. I just come on. <laughs> oh, Patrick, uh, who spells it Leetly, did a review of Wonderful Wizard of Oz number one with giving the story a three out of five, which is kind of funny, and the art a five out of five. This was by Eric Shanauer and Scotty Young from Marvel. Actually, uh, it's an eight-issue miniseries. 0.42% at the time of recording made this their pick of the week. He said, I do quite enjoy the art, and I look forward to seeing more work from Scotty Young, both in, in this and in general. All the characters are beautiful and have an endearing quality about them that's hard to describe. Since the story follows the film and I assume the novel closely, I won't bore you with any details. It's a workmanlike and faithful translation of the story. If you like the novel or film, it's a no-brainer. If you're looking for something for a young reader, I also think this might be one to pick up. And lastly, if you just love this type of art, it's a great get. I'm going to continue with it for the art so one day I can pass this along to some youngin. Which is funny because Scotty Young is the artist. Uh, did either <laughs> of you guys look at this? I did not. No. I picked it up solely because I really I like Eric Shanauer's work. Um, he did Age of Bronze for Image. And you know what? I've never read um, The Wizard of Oz, but you know how like the, the, you know, the, Alice, the Alice in Wonderland stuff, the, the novel's different than the movie. And this stuff seems to be based uh, – this is based on the novel, not the movie, which is actually uh, contradictory to what the review said from what I understand because there's no ruby slippers or silver slippers. But I, I got to say he, he's dead on about Scotty Young's artwork. He's done all sorts of stuff, and you can say whether you like it in Marvel books or not, but it fits – so well here and to have heard him talk about it before like around the time it was announced he was really excited to do it and it, it just shows like he's having a ton of fun doing this and you know scotty scotty was a guy who was on around comics for a long time and, and people he's got a very strong personality people react to him one way or another but the dude is an artist you know what i mean like of the finest sense like he he's he, beautiful he, stuff he does is beautiful he, he it's amazing you know he did he did the art he didn't do the penciling you know he did the art there actually was a colorist on this one but just it's a it's a really really nice book and I, I don't necessarily recommend people pick up the issues although you should if you want to read it but it's, this is going to make this is going I'm already thinking this is going to make a fantastic trade paperback someday that you're going to be able to give to all sorts of people and and kids and and adults and all these things it's it's uh I, I do it's know, really yeah Shan, really nice. Shan Hour is a great writer and he's almost yep. the perfect person to do this yep. yeah absolutely it was, it was good I actually was really interested in it it was great really really impressive. So make sure you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and you can do your pull list and rate your comics and leave reviews and maybe we'll read your review on the show. You know what we hear a lot of? We hear, oh, the store in my area is not very good. I got to drive an hour away. Listen, 
Leave all that junk behind. <laughs> Go to DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, and you can get your books there. They have monthly specials of up to 75% off, so you save a ton of money on your books, up to 40% off the major publishers, and a flat rate shipping no matter how many books you get of $5.95 for all U.S. orders. You can buy anything that's in previews, and there's over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order. You can track your order online so you know where it is. Get over to www.dcbservice.com and solve your woes. Woe is me. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. Oh, whoa. Sorry, where did that come from? <laughs> okay, let's dive, Joey. Into, dive into the email. Our first email comes from Caroline, who says that on the November 30th episode of iFanboy, Connor mentioned that he wished DC would overhaul their trade paperback program. Now, I'm curious about what the problems are and what changes you guys would like to see at DC, Marvel, or in general. What would a good trade paperback program look like? Who is doing it right? And where is there room for improvement? Well, I know. I, think, I feel like Ron and I have a similar views on this. I don't know what Josh will say, but... I can say specifically DC's program is screwy. First of all, it takes forever for everything to, anything to come out. Yeah, their schedule is uh, weird. When I was looking for Christmas gifts this year, uh, I couldn't find half the stuff I wanted to buy for stuff, stuff that happened in the, earlier in the year because it's not out yet. Whereas Marvel stuff, you can you know, it comes out right away. So I could get Marvel stuff I wanted to get from this year, but DC stuff, forget it. It's still like six months behind Marvel in terms of releases. The other problem I have with DC stuff is there's no order to it. They just slap a title on the trade and say, here it is, but you don't know where, where it goes. And Vertigo's are really pretty good, usually about putting numbers in the spines and telling you what order the trades are. But Josh let me all of his Hellblazer trades, and those, you have no idea what, what order to read them in. They're just Hellblazer and then the title, and then there's nothing, you have no idea what, in what order. So you have to go into the little page and read a tiny text to figure out what issues of Hellblazer it encompasses and then figure out what order to read them in. And there's just a problem yeah. when you've got a long series that's connected. And you should have them numbered. That's just a simple. To be fair, those thing. those are older, and and their vertigo is. But it's not different it. now. It's not different now. The DC's books still do that. They don't number them. No, no DC. I'm not talking about DC. DC, I have a problem with. I wrote an article earlier this week about stuff that's missing, and three of them were DC, like stuff. I'm um, sorry, out of print books, things that haven't been printed. They've got this catalog of stuff that they're not keeping in print, and I like <clears throat> I struggled to find Marvel stuff that I couldn't find. And it doesn't exist, but there's all this DC stuff that, that, is, that they're just not printing. And when they do, they're incredibly slow. Even the Starman Omnibus, which everybody's happy to see, like it's going to be like one or two a year. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, there's a tier. philosophy, a different philosophy, and Marvel seems to get it that trades are now. Marvel does DC, get it. They do. And DC, we, we've, seen the end of the year, we've seen the end of the year at convention panels say they want people to buy issues and they focus on issues. And that's yeah. fine for people who like issues, but, but they're really ignoring a huge section of the of the audience that wants to read and collect. But that's form. really interesting because the comments the Dio made uh, this week were about about Batman R.I.P. and how it didn't make sense and how you know how the ending actually isn't in R.I.P. It's actually in Final Crisis, but they had R.I.P. end the way it did because for the collected edition and yada yada. It seems like they're realizing that they need to do something about it. But I well, think it's possible it was a year uh, ago when we saw the Dio's the New York Comic Con. So yeah, it's true. Been a while. But uh, Marvel does get it better than DC, although they're, they're still what they what they put out, what they decide to put out, what they don't is still somewhat erratic. The two companies I think that do it great are Dark Horse and, and Image. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Those I two mean, guys are all. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Image does not only, Image not only does, they lower the price on the first volume, like Dynamo Vertigo 5. Vertigo does that. The, yeah, Vert, yeah, I guess Vertigo does too. So they have nine ninety nine first volume trades. Then they put them out on a regular basis. Six issues, seven issues come out. Trade is out immediately. And it's numbered and there's, and for me, what makes a good trade program is consistent design and just like, I want it to look good on my shelf. And, and, and like Connor said, the numbering and have it make sense as well, you know, and they do. The one thing about Marvel that does bug me is the, all the 
the di- like I don't know. It's hard to navigate because somebody who wants to collect something, someone who wants to collect something in, in collected editions. Between, and I'm sure Chris from Collected Comics Library knows way more about this and probably explain it to me. They've got the premier hardcover edition, the the omnibuses, the hardcover editions, the oversight hardcover. Like they have all these different variations, and it's like I just want consistency, you know. So it's it's weird sometimes, but that's you have it. to wait for them. Yeah. Like first, there's the big hardcover. Then but at least they come right out. I mean, I wanted there was a specific thing I wanted to get for one of you two, which I'm not going to mention. The storyline ended four months ago, yeah. and it's not out in trade yet, and it should be out in trade. Jeez. It's not going to be out in trade for another three months. There is one DC book that I really am impressed with for the most part, and that's been the Keith Giffen Justice League books. Yes. Despite the fact that the paper quality is low, they do a really good job of collecting them. And, and when there's a cross, when there's a crossover. They, there's a page in between the issues that explains what this, what's happening in the DCU right now. Yeah. Like, like in the most recent one, there's a, the invasion books. So they say, hey, this is what happened. The Kuns invaded with this other uh, – the, the yellowhead people. I can't remember their names. But they, there's a page that says this is what's happening before this issue. So you have a context. Yeah. So you're not confused. And that's a really smart way to do it. But And they are coming out. The fourth volume is coming out like next month. So it's yeah. that's – for some reason, that particular book they're doing really well with. I don't know why they can't do it with other books. Cool. So if you have a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. I like movies. Netflix has movies. They have over 100,000 movies with no late fees. They got free shipping both ways. They got Blu-ray titles. Apparently Blu-ray players flew off the shelves for Thanksgiving. Got fast delivery. They got majority of the shipments that you get in one day. You pick your movie and it goes out the door that day and you get it the next day. They got plans starting as low $4.99 a month and they got a two-week free trial when you go to www.netflix.com slash ifanboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. indeed. All right, so we've got a voicemail um, who, from a gentleman who's got a – I don't remember what his question was. Fuck. Hey, uh, fanboys. This is Carl from Florida. And, uh, you know, with Jeff Johns announcing that he's leaving JSA, it's like someone put a dagger through my heart. And uh, I was wondering, what do you think are your most uh, most heartbreaking creative departures? And uh, Ron can't say Jeff Johns from Flash. All right, I guess I can. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well, and have a good show. Bye. I got two words that I know Connor will be able to sympathize with. Go ahead. Garney Wade. Ah, fuck me, yeah. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Ron Garney and Mark Wade on Captain America. Yeah. Scream to the heavens when they when they were taken off that book. Replaced by Rob Liefeld. <laughs> was it was it, was it Jeff Loeb on writing? Was yeah, I think it might one? have been Jeff Loeb, yeah. <laughs> what do you got? It's there's a lot, but I know when Chuck Dixon left all the bat books at once. That <laughs> Just took his ball he, left. He left. He left, took his ball. Went home from four books at once, like yeah. my four favorite books. So that was that was like a mass execution. It was just like, yeah. oh, all my favorite books are now going to suck, and they did. <laughs> Josh, for years. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember all the people like like I when you know. Eh. I suck at this. I always suck at this game. What about Busick and Perez on Avengers? I don't think he, I, that, I liked that more than he did. I don't think you, you know what. I was more upset when when Busick left Thunderbolts. Yeah, that sucked. That back then, oh, I had one and it's well, gone. Bendis left Daredevil. Yeah, but he was replaced with Brubaker. Like every time that it's happened, it was like cool. I mean, most recently when when Rucka left Checkmate, it was like, yeah. what's the point of this book anymore? Yeah. Literally, like, what is the point? And when somebody leaves who, you know, they, he started that book. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Well, if you've got some creative teams that you were upset when they left, you can call us and tell us at uh, 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. I'm off my game tonight. You can call and leave a voicemail. Uh, keep it to 30 seconds. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and ask us anything you want. I realize I have a hard time with this because I like creator-owned stuff. So, like, when they leave, the book's over. What do you do? 
I don't know. You didn't buy Every- 17 creator-owned books this week. That's true, but I could drop all of them right now. Uh, we had mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we had an announcement. Um, so now it's the time for that. And basically, this, the story is this. We kind of need to ask for your help, very plaintively. You may remember a little while back, there was a lot of programming and personnel cuts at Revision3.com, who is, is the network that pr- uh, produces our video show. And while our show wasn't canceled, thank God, our deal with them did change. And, and the thing is, is that now we are getting much less money for producing the show. This isn't going to stop us from producing it. It isn't going to stop the show from being free. We're going to keep doing that. It's not going anywhere. And we had the question is, well, what do we do? Do we, do we keep going? And I don't think that there was a single one of us who was like, no, let's, let's stop. I'm done. I'd like to go back to accounting. <laughs> not that I've worked in accounting. That being said, though, going forward, there are issues that we have to deal with. If we want to keep providing content at the level that we have been doing for the last year, we do need to make up some of that money. And it's basically just that simple. When, you know, we have advertisers and sponsors, but they don't really generate as much revenue as you might think. We don't tend to talk about our business all that much, but the idea of podcasting and making a living from it is still very new. and It's, it's sort of unproven. And our audience is really, it's very large um, from a comics standpoint, but in sort of the the bigger media pie, we're sort of not much of a blip. I think, um, I th- yeah, and I think that's you know that's a good point to make is that what we're doing, you know, it's it, we are doing our best to make iFanboy a business and something that you can depend on every day for great con- content about comic books. And comic books are a very small, you know, it's a it's a niche audience and and it's not as widespread as you know millions and millions of people aren't reading comics, unfortunately. So it, the the economies of that are a little different. Mm-hmm. And this is where you come in, and, and that's why we sort of need to ask for your help. And at this point, some of you are listening, and you're just going to say, yeah, yeah, whatever. But listen, like, I'm talking to you. The person with the headphones on or listening to this at work who listens to it every week, just please listen to us and, and see if there's any way that you think you can help. We've asked for donations in the past, and, and for those of you who have given, like, every time we see that somebody's given us money, we are stunned and awed and, and like we are eternally grateful. I don't know if we say that enough or with enough sincerity, but it, believe us, it is absolutely true. But now we need to, and we've sort of mentioned it, it was at the end of the show, but now we need to make these kind of contributions a, a priority if we want to keep going like this. If you've noticed everything that's happened in the last year on the site, we brought in more writers, the, the site was improved, there's the pull lists, there's all of the stuff that had, there's, there's stuff on the website multiple times a day that, that gets updated and that's all been as a result of this kind of things so if you like that kind of content you like that content that we provide you come to the site every day you know is, is the pick of the week podcast just as important to your comic book reading as, as going to get your comics and reading them you know have we made it more fun to read your comics think about all those things and you know we hope so because that's what we're trying to do but it, basically we need to ask if you can help us keep it going because without that there's a really good chance that we're not going to be able to keep this going in the same way and, and it's important to stress that we're not going anywhere, we're not going out of business, we're anything like that. But what we want to do is this past year has been the best year in iFanboy's history, and we want to make 2009 even better. And as great as great as the work that all of our writers have done, and honestly, you know, Josh and Connor have done an amazing job with you know with the with their dedication to it, and I've done everything I can do it, and Dave on the website side, we have a list that is probably seven miles long of what more we want to do. <laughs> and uh, how we want to make it even bigger and grow it even more so. So here's the deal. If everybody out there right now who is listening to the show, if every single one of you were to and, – and who came to the website, you were to, you were to send us the cost of one comic book a month, say – some issue of cable that you keep buying. No, I don't want to do that to Dwayne. But just some book that you're buying all the time. If everybody was to send us the, you know, the $1, 3 $4 issue, we would be all set. 
we could continue where we're doing now. We would we would be able to add stuff and spend more time, and and that would be great. Realistically, that's not going to happen. You're not all going to do that, and we understand that's fine. But if some of you decide that iFanboy is really important to you, then then you're the ones who can help make a difference to us. We are going to be instituting a iFanboy membership program, asking you guys out there to help out and keeping the lights on. Figuratively speaking, sort of. Starting now, uh, you can donate a small amount each month, um, just the cost of a, of, of a bad comic book. Say that you, you say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to buy this. I'm not going to pick a specific comic book because people listen. <laughs> I'm not going to buy a book and, and, and you know get, send that money our way. If you can spare just $4 a month and you think that that price is worth it for everything that we do, which is the video shows and the, the website and the community and, and you know answering the emails and going through all that stuff, if you think that's good, that would really help us out. And of course, it would mean everything to us if you could do that because we want to keep this going perhaps more than you. And other than our very generous you know, thanks and appreciation and you having the satisfaction that you really are a part of this because we know we say that and you are, but there's, there's a way to be a bigger part of it. If you support us, you will get something out of it. In the coming months, members are going to get first dibs on, on special things that we're going to be doing, like special T-shirts, those things that we've been talking about for a really long time, possibly special edition graphic novels, things like that, members-only contests and giveaway. And if you sign up for a subscription, we will, we're going to each send everybody a random comic book, some stickers and, and some buttons. Now, that comic book might be terrible. We're not guaranteeing <laughs> we're going to buy. Everybody's going to get a random comic book. It'll be a fun thing. What comic book did they send you? Oh, I didn't want this comic book. Or, oh, that's really good. <laughs> so, but, yeah, in addition to that, like you said, you're, we're also going to send you an iFan, iFanboy, some iFanboy buttons, some iFanboy stickers. And like you mentioned, you guys, you members will get the first dibs at some of the cool stuff we've got planned for 09. We've, we've talked to a bunch of creators, a bunch of publishers, and we're going to have cool stuff that throughout the, the whole year is going to be either given away to members or have an opportunity to win it. Or have that opportunity to purchase it, like uh, like you mentioned. It might not be common knowledge, but we're planning on doing some limited edition T-shirts and things like that that members will have first crack at getting. So really, you know, we 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 understand that asking you to part with money is a hard decision, and especially with these economic times that we're in. But if you do, it, we will make it worth your while. We absolutely promise that. And so that's the spiel, basically. We, we really do need your help. So, <laughs> I don't so, mean to sound horrible. <laughs> so it's important. To, so how can you help? If you go to ifanboy.com forward slash store, that will send you to the new iFanboy store. Don't worry. The Amazon store isn't going anywhere. There will be a link there to get to Amazon. And, or if you want to go there directly, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon starting today. If you go to the iFanboy store, you'll see the ability to, um, like Josh mentioned, you could sign up for a $4 monthly membership, which is our minimum membership program. If you would like to and you just want to you want to be a member but you don't want the monthly charge, you could choose to pay $42 for a yearly membership. The $4 a month or $42 a month, you'll get the stickers and buttons in the comic book as well as you'll be entered in the first come, first serve kind of thing with our with our giveaways and things like that. But also, if you're feeling generous, and maybe you know, maybe you are a you know a, a, a flamboyant benefactor, and you want to help us out a little more, we have the option for you to sign up for a ten dollars monthly membership. And again, if you wanted to pay that for on a yearly basis, you could sign up for a hundred dollars yearly membership. Now, the ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year members will get. Stickers, buttons, the free comics, sign up for all the things, but they also will be getting a special iFanboy members, members only t-shirt. We're working on the design now. We don't currently have it, but we're going to post it as soon as we do, and we will get it to you as soon as we can. We're hoping within about uh, 8 to 12 weeks, Connor. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. And it will be a limited two members iFanboy t-shirt. So you know, so if you want, if you want to get that t-shirt, 
sign up for the $10 a month or $100 a year. And like Josh, you know, so adequately put, we, we can't thank you enough. We're not here without you, the audience. And so um, everybody who who's helped us previously, we totally appreciate it. We're going to be moving away from the donations page. Um, we're going to be getting rid of that, replacing it with this store. You can still pay through PayPal if you like, but you can also just use your credit card like any other retail kind of environment type place. So we we totally, you know, we, we've wrestled over this a lot. I don't think this is something that, you know, it's not, you know, it's tough asking people for money and whether or not, you know, is what we do provide them value. But we've been doing iFanboy.com for, what, eight years now? This and is the nine, end of the eighth, eighth year. This, this is the, the end, end of, of our eighth year. year, and we've been doing podcasting since 05 for three years. And, you know, we've been giving you this free content and it, all of our content, it's important to note, will continue to be free. All the podcasts, all the video shows, all the written content, you can always come to iFanboy.com and do it. But if you like that and like getting it for free, you got to understand that, you know, we've got to be able to keep the lights on like Josh just said. Yeah. And seriously, it's not mandatory. We're not, we're not yep. going to make you feel bad if you don't. If you can help out, it will mean the world to us and it will help keep things going. And, um, and we want to hear what you think of this. I mean, if there are things that you would like as a member, you and, and you know, like if we you know, do more meetups or we do things like that, how, you know, how can we, what does it mean to you to be a member? You know, within reason, you know, it's not going to be like we're going to give everybody absolute editions, like that sort of thing. I, I, but, will, I will be charging four back rubs. <laughs> but, you know, it's the kind of things where what is that little extra special thing that you would like that would make $4 a month worth your while, you know, or $10 a month or whatever it might be. But we are dedicated to, you know, in, in 2009 and moving forward to having iFanboy be one of the premier website destinations about comic books. So, and hopefully you can help us make that happen. All right. That's enough. Yes. So thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. That wasn't supposed to sound sarcastic. It was be sincere, but now I'm a dick. We just lost. We just lost a lot of money. <laughs> and that is our show for the day. <laughs> if you're still around, so um, make sure you go to ifanboy.com where you can read Connor's full pick of uh, Nightwing, as well as all the great com- discussion. It was a great week at iFanboy this past week. Great articles by Paul, by Josh, by Sonia. It was just, it was really, really cool. So um, head over to ifanboy.com where you can check out all the great content for free every week. And you can head over to ifanboy.com slash Amazon to do all of your holiday Amazon shopping. There's a few weeks left. If you're using Amazon.com for your shopping, as I did for most of mine and some people I know, you can help us out by going to Amazon through us and we get a little help there from them, a little piece of the action, a little taste, a little wetting of the beak, as it were. <laughs> and it'll help us out. It costs a good dime. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> fanboy.com slash Amazon. You can go every Wednesday and get a new video show from us where we talk about comic books. That's kind of the deal. You can do that at revision3.com slash iFanboy. This past week, we got a little look at the first comics that all of us ever read on our 100th episode. We also saw some pictures of us as kids. Aw, sweet. (laughs) We can't help what you look like, man. Uh, This next week, it is time for us to share with you the books that you should be getting for, well, really yourselves, for Christmas. You could buy them as gifts, I suppose, but these these are the... the hot holiday comic book items that you could be – it's stuff we like basically <laughs> for this Christmas or uh, Hanukkah or whatever else. Cool. And if you if you like the iFanboy video show or if you don't know about the iFanboy video show, you can find it on TiVo, on YouTube, on Juice if anybody's using that. But basically, iFanboy is on a whole bunch of different places where you can watch a video. So if you're not watching it and you like watching online video, look for it. You never know. It might be there. If there's a place that you like to watch on, on video that you don't know that, you, that you're not watching iFanboy on, let us know. We'll get it on there. So, But for you TiVo members, you can, get, you, can, you can download it directly to your TiVo box, watch it in HD. It's awesome. 
It's a goddamn Christmas miracle if the Revision 3 store is now open. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> you can get iFanboy t-shirts that are now back for sale at revision3.com slash store. And good news, the t-shirts are discounted. They're on sale for $15.99 at revision3.com slash store. That's the old style blue and red and white iFanboy t-shirts. Get them while you can. There are only a few we, left, right? It's limited yeah, we, yeah we, so we they launched uh, this past week and we already sold a bunch. So get them while you can. Are they like hotcakes? Uh, yeah, silver dollars. Hotcakes are delicious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you can email us at contact at iFanboy should you have something to say. Please do. Send us your comments and questions and even complaints if you want to. You can leave voicemails at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion, topics, whatever, try to remember to say who you are, where you're from. Don't be rambling on forever, so try to keep it 30 seconds or so. You know, give or take. We're not, we're not, we're not going to be all over that, but, you know, get to the point. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like to use the internet and you like to use social networks, you can be friends with iFanboy. Go to iFanboy.com forward slash about where you can find links to our MySpace, Facebook, Comic Space, Verb, Facebook group, Facebook group, Twitter, whatever else you want. We're all on Twitter, and you can find the links to us personally. We want to be your friend. And finally, I was putting books in my long box. Finally, you can. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> you're done with the show. I figured I could start filing. Uh, finally, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That's how people find the show. We really appreciate it. You can leave a good one or a bad one. We know we're not going to tell you how to think, but that's how people find the show. So get that. Even better than that is to tell your friends, your comic store owner, your buddy, your pot dealer, anybody really you think would like the show. <laughs> tell them about iFanboy. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> I think it's funny. Yeah, because you're high right now. <laughs> All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. If there's anybody in the world that I know for sure is definitely not high right now, it's Josh. <laughs> I know. It's, what's funny is that I was going to make a joke, but I realized that people don't really know me. <laughs> so, like, they won't know if I'm kidding or not. Like, in my mind, like, I'm so lame. I'm like, Dave's not here, man. <laughs> like, that's that's the level where I'm working. I'm working with 1970s era pot jokes. Jeez. I may as well call it a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Josh. What do you do when the music stops?